0: It's 30 with Murdy with your host, Sweeney Murdy.
1: Hi everyone, welcome back for another edition of 30 with Murdy. This time, we will focus on the upcoming Hall of Fame election. So much attention given already to the possibility that Mariano Rivera could be a unanimous selection. Remember, that gentleman that wrote last month about how he wasn't voting for Mariano because he didn't believe in the closer role and all that stuff, well, that fellow wasn't submitting a ballot, so it isn't counted in the total votes cast. Mariano can still be unanimous, although it's probable that he will come up short, as one former big leaguer said to me recently, who are those three guys that didn't vote for Ken Griffey Jr.? But rather than focus attention on the one or two or three lost souls who don't get it, the attention should be focused on celebrating Mariano Rivera, and I know it will. So let's start right here. We are less than two weeks now from the voting announcement, and there will be more drama surrounding Edgar Martinez and Mike Messina than there will be Mariano, there will be time to discuss those guys later on. For now, I want to focus on Rivera and get the insights of two men who probably shared more bullpen time with Mariano than any other pair of relievers, Jeff Nelson and Mike Stanton. I spoke with each of them separately this week over the phone. We'll start here with Jeff Nelson, who spent six of his 15 years as a Yankees teammate of Mariano. Nelson began his career with Seattle and saw the rookie Rivera offer a glimpse of things to come during the five-game ALDS battle between the Yankees and Mariners in 1995. Here is part one of this week's episode, a conversation about Mariano Rivera with Jeff Nelson. Nellie, I want to start with you with the 95 Division Series. You were on the other side you watched Mariano come in and kind of announce himself to the world in a way in some pretty big spots. What do you remember about seeing him pitch against the Mariners in that 95 division series?
2: Yeah, it's, it's funny you say that because uh, what I remember, I don't remember a whole lot of, of him pitching, but I do remember the comments from our hitters, uh, listening to them, and especially after we won and beat the Yankees to move on to the ALCS. Uh, we had Jay Buhner, Edgar, Tino. Those guys were saying, hey, thank God that they didn't pitch Mariano more or we mm-hmm. might have been going home. So that's what that's what they took from it, and I took from it. it was like, okay, you know, this guy was that dominant in 95 coming up and Buck only used him sparingly. Yeah, he got some big outs, but in some other big situations where they probably could have gone to him, uh, our hitters were thanking Buck that he didn't go to him mm-hmm. or we might have gone
1: home. So you end up getting traded to the Yankees shortly thereafter, and in spring training in 96, you get to see him up close for the first time. Um, now, he his role was a little uncertain at that time because, you know, new manager taking over, Joe Torre, and you kind of had to see what he was all about. What do you remember about, you know, seeing him up close and, and watching him work that first spring?
2: Well, it's funny, in spring training, you, you know, you, you see guys and you, you know okay hey this is you're always you know when you're throwing and you got the fourth inning or the seventh inning and you you do drills together he was always one of the best what i thought always one of the best athletes on the field the way he moved around the mound the way he did his drills uh he was so agile uh you know as a skinny kid and you know everything was just effortless uh, everything that he did, it was just effortless. Uh, you didn't, re- you really don't pay attention, I guess, to each other until the season starts. Uh, you know, hey, this guy's having a great spring. I mean, this guy, we are, already knew a little bit about him from when he faced us when I was in Seattle. Uh, exploding fastball, everything like I mentioned, nice and effortless, and just got. It seemed like it just the fastball just got right on top of hitters in a hurry. Uh, you know, he had so such fluid mechanics. And the ball just exploded out of his hand, and you could see it in spring training, and he, you know, he starts throwing that cutter, and it like lights out to left-handed hitters. But uh, then, you know, he wasn't a closer. You know, he was a setup guy, like you mentioned, when he didn't know what his role was going to be, uh, somewhat, you know, doing something in the bullpen. Uh, but it was exciting to watch this guy just go about his business, and, and you know, not just pitching, but every time we had pitcher's fielding practice or or some kind of drill, uh, watching how this guy uh, was such a good athlete.
1: The formula of stacking relievers uh, was still fairly new, I think, around that time. It's obviously what everybody tries to do now. Uh, But as good as the rest of you guys were, he seemed to be the key to that whole thing because you could get multiple innings out of him what do you remember about how that whole formula of that season developed and how key he was to making it all work for you
2: well he was so dominant we knew that okay after he either got a day or two days rest it all depends on how many innings joe used him if he used him two innings uh the seventh and eighth inning to get to wetland then we knew that okay we have to pick up the slack the next two days and then after that if it was a close ball game, you know Joe was going to him. Uh, he had a rubber arm, and it was—he was like, okay, our starters were so good that they got us into the sixth and seventh inning, or at least sixth innings, and then we knew the game was over. Especially uh, if Mo was rested, and you know he could pitch his multiple innings to get to Wetland. Uh, it was what was that, my, like, fifth year in the big leagues. And you saw a lot of dominant pitchers, you know, Brian Harvey. You know, I pitched with Norm Charlton, Randy Johnson. Uh, You know, I watched Roger Clemens. I used to watch David Cohn. I mean, you watch some dominant pitchers, and it was fun to watch. Uh, Watch them go through a game and just tear apart hitters. And then all of a sudden, you have a guy like Mariano Rivera. Is not six ten like Randy Johnson. Uh, he doesn't weigh two hundred and fifty pounds like Randy. Uh, you know, Roger Clemens or a little skinny. I'm going to make up every kind of pitch possible, like David Cone, uh, or a nasty split like Brian Harvey. I mean, this guy was, you know, maybe six foot at best, and skinny kid, and just nice and easy, and uh, just dominated. Uh, you know, lefties especially. It was really funny to watch managers. Especially when he came in to pinch hit left-handed hitters against him, yeah. and it, it just kept going on and on year after year after year. I'm like, okay, does these guys not know that it's like, okay, <laughs> you know, this is extra firewood in the wintertime because he just like eats up lefties, and uh, why just why not just leave the righties in and they may have a better shot? But uh, you know, once you know once he was rested and he threw his two innings, it was just uh, almost comical to watch him go out there and dominate the way he did.
1: And and there wasn't a lot of trickery back then, early on either. I mean, this was this was just straight fastball. He hadn't really started cutting the ball yet.
2: No, it was just one pitch, you know. And even when he started cutting the ball a little bit, uh, it was just one pitch, you know. As he got older and, and you know threw a lot more, he started mix, mixing in a two seamer. Uh, I don't ever remember him throwing any kind of slide or a breaking ball or even a changeup. Uh, it was just uh, you know a four seamer and and he threw the one pitch cutter, and and that's what is amazing too. When you have a guy like that, it just says one pitch and dominates like he does. Uh,
1: the arrival moment for me, I remember, there was a game late in August after John <laughs> Wetland. Got he spent some time on the DL and Mariano got to close for uh, a short time. And there was a game against Oakland where, you know, it wasn't traditional closer. Joe Torrey brought him in and he actually let him circle the lineup. And He faced Mark McGuire twice and struck him out twice. And this is 50 home run Mark McGuire. And he's just blowing fastballs past him at his eyes. Uh, I remember that as being just a lot of fun to watch and just watch him, you know, really just toy with hitters almost, it seemed, as much, you know, I I know it wasn't that easy, but it looked like a lot of fun. Do you, I don't know if you happen to remember that game or that period of time in the season, but it just seemed like he was no longer a secret to anybody.
2: Right, and the thing that he is is he changed the eye level of the hitter so well, Uh, and he would pitch down in the zone, down in the zone, he throws a little cutter, and then he threw his four-seamer up. And, you know, I remember Girardi, you know, when you used to see, you, you give targets, either Girardi or Prasada or even Lawrence at the time, you know, they would almost stand up when he would get ahead of hitters so he yeah. could just throw up around their letters and he would have no chance. And like I said, you know, he's so fluid and so easy uh, as far as how he throws. And the ball just jumps on hitters. I mean, we... Then you started seeing some guns every now and then in, around the stadiums. Not a whole lot of stadiums had the uh, the velocity up on the scoreboard or somewhere around the stadium. Uh, I don't even – probably 96, 97, who knows what it was. But when he would get ahead of guys, he would just blow them away upstairs. There was no chance. But he, he changed the eye level so well. Uh, you know, when you have a kid that's nice and easy, the next thing you know – you know there's no effort whatsoever when he throws the ball and you know hitters love the ball they see the ball so well or they think the ball they see the ball so well up in the zone and the next thing you know it's by him and i can remember mcguire uh you know swinging through some high fastballs around his letter, not, not having any kind of chance to catch it up to him
1: his demeanor is so famous and and you know kind of ice cold uh, ice in his veins type of guy how do you recall that early on with him, and how it helped him transition to closer? Because it wasn't a very easy transition at first. He blew a lot of saves early in '97, and you know, of course, the famous playoff home run to uh, Sandy Alomar. He had to bounce back from some stuff there and turn into what you know is soon to be a Hall of Famer. What do you remember about his demeanor and how it helped him get through that transition period?
2: Well, you know, I, I don't know if it, it, you know, it'd be interesting in, you know, playing with El Duque and playing with some guys from Latin America, you know, if the way they grew up and the adversity that they went through when they came over here, it seemed like nothing bothered them, that, okay, if something went wrong, I big deal, I have had worse, you know, yeah. and, and they just seemed to be able to adjust a lot better than maybe an American player, you know, maybe then, you know, obviously maybe myself, you know, maybe I would take uh, a game that I blew a lot more serious or or I would let it eat at me a little bit longer than what he would. Uh, you know, he was a great, he was a great guy to learn from and watch that he never showed emotion. Um, very rarely, uh, especially on the mound and as a closer, as a reliever, especially, you know, a setup guy or, or a guy that's coming in some tight situations, You don't want to show any emotion and you you, you almost you have to you have to be able to forget about last night you know whether you had success or whether you didn't have success it's you have to have a short memory and he was so good at that now very few times did he ever blow games anyway Uh, but if he did uh, it was just, okay, came in the next day like nothing ever happened. and It was great to see that. And it was great, hey, you know, this guy's one of the best pitchers, but everybody has to work. Everybody strives to be that way, and you watch him. The only time we always we got to see him laugh is when maybe Stanton and I or Graham Lloyd or Mendoza, when there was a blowout and we knew we weren't getting in the game, and we would sit out at old Yankee Stadium far away from everyone, and and, you you know just talk or or crack jokes or do whatever and then all of a sudden he'd start laughing because he wouldn't come out until maybe the sixth or seventh inning yeah and uh and then okay we knew the game was out of hand and then you know we have a great conversation talking about whatever a lot of times it wasn't about baseball and you could see him laugh, and you could see that he kind of relaxes a little bit uh but you know the way he carries himself and his demeanor after whether it's a bad game because you know 97 you know we went in 96 and this is the yankees this is mr steinberg i mean if you lose you know that you don't have a great i mean you had a terrible year no matter if you went to the playoffs or not yeah he gave up that home run to sandy Alomar, and he comes back the next year and and we win 114 games like nothing ever happened
1: yeah
2: and the same thing you know it's like okay. I'm, I'm thinking about, and I'm glad. You know, you watch the Bears. You know, the kicker, that yeah. that parking that uh, blew it, and then all of a sudden, hey, I'm glad that somebody came out and said, hey, I tipped the ball and diverted the diverted the kick. And you know, that's like a closer blowing a game. How do they how do they come back from that? How do they step? How do they how do they you know get over adversity? Yeah. And he was so good at it. It, you know, it, it, nothing ever bothered him. And maybe it was from the way he grew up. And, you know, you look at El Duque the same way. Did anything ever bother this guy? Right. no.
1: <laughs> right.
2: You know, it, it, it's just, okay, hey, you know, this is baseball. You know, I'm going to give up home runs. I'm not going to be perfect. You know, I, I've been through a lot worse the way I grew up. And so it's like it had to, it had to you know, come from maybe part of the way uh, their surroundings and when they grew up and what they went through in Panama or, or Cuba or whatever.
1: Do you have a favorite memory? I mean, you play with them a long time. Is there one that stands out above the others? Of uh, when you think about Mariano,
2: my favorite World Series is always going to be against the Mets because it's across town rivals mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. the Subway Series and us closing that out in Game Five. Um, you know, just seeing you know, always seeing his reaction on the mound. Yeah. Um, it was like Groundhog Day, though. You know, it was, every time that he went out there, it was, it was it was always the same. You yeah, know, okay. Moe's in three outs four outs whatever it is okay it's done and, and it was nothing you know you always expected it and so as far as a favorite memory you know just just being able to play with the greatest closer that ever lived I think was, is you know and being able to set up set him up and hey you know thanks for getting me out of some of my jams and, <laughs> and uh, maybe me giving up a couple runs so you can come in and get the save and add to that total but you know as far as the, the Best memory, I think every single day, all six years that I played with this guy was, a, was my best memory.
1: The Hall of Fame for him is, has been inevitable for a long time, and it'll you know come to fruition very soon. You've gotten to play with some really great players and guys who were already in the Hall of Fame, like Ken Griffey Jr. and Randy Johnson, right. among others. How does it make you feel when, uh, you know, when Mariano will be going into the Hall of Fame and you spent, as you said, a significant period of time in your career with uh, with him, playing with him, alongside him? How does it make you feel?
2: Well, I think, it's, uh, I think it's an honor. You know, I've gotten to play with some, whenever you're playing with the Yankees, Mr. Steimer always made sure that we had some of the best players or the best players on the team, and there's his Hall of Famers going in right and left. I got to be a part of that, and, you know, it's an honor playing against guys that I've never gotten to be teammates with. But you know, like a Randy Johnson or Ken Griffey Jr., I think is the best player I've ever played with. Uh, he's he was just unbelievable to watch, and I I was one of his good friends in the wintertime, so I hung out with him, so I knew exactly what he did and didn't do until spring training, and to watch this guy is amazing. Uh, but you know, you look at Mariano, you know, like you mentioned Clemens and. Tim Raines, and, uh, you know, I, I think it's, you look back and say, and you say, wow, I played with that guy. He's in the Hall of Fame, mm-hmm. I played with that guy. Uh, he's in the Hall of Fame. Hopefully, Edgar Martinez makes it this year. You know, right. Derek Jeter's going to make it next year, and I think he was one of the smartest baseball players that I've ever played with. So, it, it, you know, you look at the era that we played, I mean, we went four out of five, and go to five World Series when I was there, and... You know, that's special in its own own right. And then you get to play with guys that are going into the Hall of Fame and then the best closer ever. You know, it's just you look back and say, wow, what a blessing it was to play for the New York Yankees and an honor to play with some of these guys that are going in.
1: Nelson from the right side, Mike Stanton from the left side. That was the formula leading up to Mariano for three straight World Series championships from 1998 to 2000. Stanton spent seven of his 19 years in the majors as a Yankee, alongside Mariano and like Nelson he saw Mariano first as a dominant force against the team he was on before joining him in the Bronx here is part two of this week's episode a conversation about Mariano Rivera with Mike Stanton the first time you got to see Mariano up close was with Texas in the playoffs I think in 96 and he's out there throwing straight gas for two innings uh, leading up to wetland what do you remember about watching him in that series you know, I had actually, the first time he came in,
0: I don't remember which game, but it was the first time I, I realized who he was. I had I was actually pitching, up, so I was sitting on the bench at Yankee Stadium. I'm like, how can we not hit this guy? I mean, he's not <laughs> doing anything but fastballs. Yeah, it's hard, but it's not ridiculously hard. And this was really kind of before he developed the cutter. Hmm. And, you know, he just spent a lot of time up in the zone. The silky smooth delivery was... Uh, Think was, was part of his deception and then the ball just jumped out of his hand but that was my first thought was why can't we hit this dude I mean he's <laughs> out there just throwing just throwing, you know kind of just forcing fastballs
1: so you sign with the Yankees that winter and you come to spring training in, right you come to spring training in 97 and you get an up-close look at him do you remember kind of how those first few weeks went as you're looking at this guy who's now been named the Yankees closer Um, And you have, obviously, closing experience. You're over here as a veteran player. What do you remember about seeing him and working with him up close that first spring?
0: Well, you know, especially back then, he was always a pretty pretty quiet, reserved guy. But back then, when he was young, he was even more so. You know, you, you, he really didn't. Yeah, you know, it wasn't for a couple of years when he got his feet grounded in Major League Baseballs. When you kind, of, you kind of started seeing the personality, and yeah. he ended up having a, a great sense of humor. But you didn't see that a whole lot early. You know didn't didn't have a whole lot of connection with anybody. Um, even the Latin guys, but had more with the Latin guys than he had uh, with the American players. But, you know, just a, a real quiet, reserved guy. But, you know, when I came over, there was a lot of talk whether I was going to close. Oh, yeah. You know, okay. Because because they were actually talking about, you know, um, the Yankees were talking a little bit, but it was really the, the media and everyone questioning, can you close with one pitch? Right. And, you know, so I answered that question several times in spring training, you know, do I want to close? I said, of course I want to close, but I'm going to do whatever they, you know, is going to be best for the team. You know, I think that any good reliever, if you don't, if you don't want to close, then there's something wrong with you. Yeah. And I think he heard a lot of that because early in that 97 season, you know, he started throwing a slider mm. and it wasn't very good. Okay. <laughs> it wasn't. And he got, he got hit around a little bit early, and um, you know, then he just went back and realized that he was listening to everyone else instead of just doing being Mariano. And so then he went back to you know mostly just fastballs, and uh, the dominance showed up.
1: He yeah, he had a bunch of blown saves early in that season. I think maybe five or a lot six. Of those
0: were on sliders. Okay, yes. that's what happened, huh? Yeah. So he had heard. I, uh, I think he had heard the uh, the scuttlebutt. He had heard the rumors and, uh, can he do it? Can he do it? And, okay, well, let's start throwing slider. But I, and I think that's probably what the issue was as a starter also. You know, his off-speed stuff just wasn't big league ready.
1: So that first month and a half, month and change there, uh, plus the playoffs that year with the Alomar home run in Cleveland, I mean that's a that's a lot for a closer to handle, even an experienced one. What did you see in a guy who was doing it for the first time? And as you know, as you kind of indicate here, he was kind of hearing the footsteps and the voices already. So what did you see in his confidence, his demeanor as he navigated that first full season and some of the failures that went with it?
0: Well, I, I think just with the idea that he was throwing sliders, you know, he was still trying, still searching for who he was. As a reliever slash closer, you know, and, and I think it took him a little while um, to just figure out, you know what, I, I'm, I'm not like everyone else. I can, I, I, I need to be, I need to be Mariano, not who everyone else's version of Mariano is. I need to be true to myself. And, you know, then he started throwing, he started throwing the fastball and um, a lot more. You know, there might have been occasionally. You know, he always tinkered with the two seamer. He always tinkered with the change up. He always, you know, tinkered with the slider. But you know, when it when it got right down to it, you know, it was the old number one that he was going to go with. And especially once he started developing that little cut on the
1: fastball. Yeah, and the cut seemed to kind of come out of nowhere. You know, it's like a gift from God. I think is what Mariano basically called it. Uh-huh. Um, as as I mean, what do you recall about seeing that pitch just? Happened.
0: you know i always said that it it seemed like uh jokingly when they did the tommy john on him a couple years prior that maybe they they twisted the ligament one time too many (laughs) or something like that because you know when he just played catch he just played catch his ball had a natural little cut on it and you know being a left-hander playing catch with a right-hander that goes right into my glove side it wasn't any fun playing catch because it was such late movement it would get me right in the palm yeah um but, I mean, even when he threw easy, you know, the, the ball did not have backspin. He had, a, he had a little bit of a cockeyed spin, and that's where the cut came from. And, and I always felt like the reason his was so good was because, you know, I threw a cutter, too. But I had to throw a cutter.
1: Uh-huh.
0: You know, he, that was just a natural, that was just natural movement for him. Yeah, and then once he realized it, I think he did start it, start manipulating it a little bit more because there were times he was throwing ninety five miles an hour, and it wasn't even a cutter; it was a full on slider. What? I mean, I remember a couple of years, you know, late nineties, you know, when he was really throwing hard. Uh, once the, the 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 weather warmed up, you know, June, July. Yep. you know, watching him on TV and going, you know, after I had pitched and going, my gosh, how does he get that kind of movement? And you see the, you know, the velocity is 94, 95, 96. And it's, you know, it's kind of like, it was it was kind of like Pettit's cutter. You know, uh-huh. Pettit's cutter was never a cutter. It was it was a slider.
1: Slider, sure, and yeah.
0: on occasion, that's exactly what Mariano's was. And I think he manipulated it. It was natural, but there were times he would turn it just a little bit more to get more movement. But what was incredible crevel was he wouldn't lose velocity on it when he did it
1: right once that started to come it was you know you get to 98 99 2000 you know, this game over mentality starts to build for everybody in the stadium what is that feeling like for you as a teammate with that game over person hanging right there and doing what he's doing every night
0: you know, one of the things that his confidence went through the roof. Once he started seeing that he could pitch with one pitch or a variation of one pitch, his confidence just went through the roof and, you know, his ability to have that slow heartbeat. And we've talked about this, uh, uh, Sweeney with, with countless different guys that were really good in the postseason. And that's what it was. You know, the, the, the situation never dictated his mental approach. He had the same mental approach all the time. And that was, um, And that was just go out there and execute the pitches. But, you know, everyone wants to talk about the movement on the cutter. That's not the only thing that made him as good as he was. He threw strikes all the time, so he trusted himself to put the ball in the zone. And on top of that is with his delivery, that silky smooth delivery, he repeated it maybe better than anyone else I've ever known. When repeating that delivery, what that allowed him to do, that allowed him, he had impeccable command. You know, control is throwing strikes. Command is putting the ball where he wanted to. And I can tell you when I left the Yankees, I told listen, you guys, when Mariano comes in the game, swing at the first pitch because <laughs> it's going to be the only pitch you're going to get that's on the white of the plate. Yeah. Everything else is going to be either on your knuckles, it's going to be on the outside corner. So if he gets a three-pitch inning, he gets a three-pitch inning, but that's going to be the first one because he's going to throw the ball you know, on the wide of the plate. He's going to throw the ball down the middle if he can.
1: There's an expression that you learn more about guys in moments of failure than, they, than you do about in moments of success. And mm-hmm. you and I were both in that clubhouse in 2001 in Arizona after game seven. And right. what, did you, what did you learn watching him handle wave after wave of reporters. And I was, you know, I was in the back of this crowd and I was probably like the eighth person to ask him about the same thing or or like the 50th person to ask him about the same thing. But he didn't waver. He knew what his responsibility was and he he didn't make any excuses about it. What do you remember about seeing him in that moment and what it taught you about him?
0: You know what? He would always take responsibility. Um, And I think that's why everyone... Everyone respected him so much. There were never excuses. He had no problem saying that it was it was his fault. And I, and I think that people respect you for, for doing that. And that's something that I really tried to do. Now I was older than him. I learned it a little bit earlier. But, you know, that was just one of those things. He, you know, he didn't have a delusional version of what happened out there. He knew exactly what happened. He knew he made a really bad play and threw the ball into center field. And... Um, that ended up being, you know, the key play to the the whole inning. Um, And, you know, we ended up losing the World Series for it. But, you know, we had won three prior to that, and the Yankees had won four out of five going into that. So I think you could give him a little bit of a reprieve for that that (laughs) one throw. You know what was crazy, Sweeney, was, you know, he was one of the, if not the best, one of the top two or three athletes on the team. Yeah, I mean, you know, that was why when he blew out his knee later in his career, power shagging. Everybody's going, "Why is he power shagging?" Yeah. Well, he was the best outfielder that the Yankees had. Yep, always had been.
1: Yep, that was that was you his know? running. He the, he didn't that, like to that run like his, the rest of you guys. That
0: was his. That was his conditioning. Yes, he would he would go out there and power shag. And if you ever watched him, he run, he ran like a gazelle. Yeah. He covered as much ground as anybody did, including you know some of the Yankee greats like Bernie. He was a better outfielder than Bernie was. <laughs> <laughs> couldn't hit like Bernie couldn't hit like yeah. Bernie but you know same thing you know and he played he played the defensive part of pitching he played like shortstop yeah you know it was it, that. that's how good of an athlete and how good he was at fielding his position that's why it was such a big shock when he made that bad throw
1: yeah absolutely do you have a favorite memory of playing with him
0: You know, I don't think I have a favorite memory, um, because there's a bunch, you know, like I said earlier, he, he had a great personality, Mm -hmm. you know, when he, when you could get him to loosen up and he just becomes one of the guys, I mean, he had a great sense of humor. Uh, you know, he liked, he liked messing around just like the rest of us, like myself and Jeff Nelson did. He just, he just did it in a little different way, a little bit more subdued way, but, um, you know, and just you know, we talk, people talk about how great the bullpen was, and we you know we had some good we had some good guys down there, you know, Jeff Nelson, uh, um, uh, Romero Mendoza, yep. you know, um, Graham Lloyd. We had some good dudes down there, yeah. But we always had a safety net, and that <laughs> safety net was Mariano. Yeah, and Joe didn't like to put him in in the regular season. For you know, an inning plus saves, but when you got to the postseason, I mean, Joe had no problem running him out there for really as many outs, yeah, as needed to be.
1: You've played now. I mean, the Hall of Fame every year now seems to have a couple of your former teammates going in. Oh, yeah. So, so yeah. I mean, and, and we knew this was inevitable that he was going to be a Hall of Famer. But so this isn't unique to you because you played with Maddox and Glavin and and all these guys and Smoltz and everybody, right. but. How does it make you feel when Mariano Rivera goes? will be going into the Hall of Fame, and you were you were there for it.
0: You know, I've always felt blessed. You know, um, I played with some great ball players in my career, and you know, played on some great teams. Made the playoffs eleven straight seasons with four different teams. Uh, so whether I was good or just a good luck charm, whatever. I mean, I've got I've got you know just a a plethora of memories uh of all the players that i played with all the great players and you know i played with some of the best of the best um you know i played with even guys that aren't hall of famers and you know all the, the the controversy that goes around clemens and bonds the most dominant player i ever played with and remember i did play with bonds it was towards the end of his career yeah mariano was at the top of the list yeah I mean, to see what he would do day in and day out, um, the dominance, his ability to to just go out there and do his job almost every single solitary time, it was truly incredible. And I I don't know if there's been another player that played as long as Mariano that was that dominant. You can argue all you want about the the role of the closer, the one-inning thing. Listen, it ain't that easy to go out there four or five times a week. It's not. And for him to do it and have put up the numbers and the success and the consistency that he, he did, I mean, it's, it, he's, he should be a first ballot. He's going to be, and that's how it should be.
1: As I asked both Nelson and Stanton about their favorite Mariano memories, a few thoughts kicked around my head as well. I jotted down a brief top five, but since this is a long year of celebrating Rivera leading up to the July induction ceremonies, I think I'll save those for later on down the road. Good luck to Mariano in his quest for 100%. Good luck to Mike Messina, who I know, based on the voting, will get into Cooperstown. It's just a matter of when, this year or next year. And thank you all for listening. Until next time, I'm Sweeney Murdy. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road.